Last couple of weeks we've been talking about, we went into creation, light and darkness. We talked about covenantal language. We talked about uh, literary genre. We even got into historical context. Uh, Today I want to get into theological emphasis. Theological emphasis is the emphasis or the focus or the intentionality when it comes to knowing the word, understanding the word, to be intentional about the word of God, where if you fail, if you fall, the word remains prevalent. If you are walking and you have the word in your hand, the stability that comes, with knowing that even if I fall or fall hard, I'm still going to have the word in my hands. It is imperative that we as believers realize that we cannot be just ultra-spiritual. We cannot believe that it's just a matter of just come here, let me pray for you, without you knowing what to say. You need to understand the truth in order to apply the truth. The application of the truth comes with the dilemmas of life. You cannot apply the truth if there's nothing to apply it to. Ointments are created because there must be a part of your body that requires it. If we didn't need, if we never had an issue, never got hurt, never fell down, then there would be no need for an ointment. But the ointments are for that. So what is the word of God? The word of God is water, it's oil. The word of God is bread, it's life. The word of God is milk. So when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about the essential part of what we require to live on this planet. And when I say live, I'm not talking about breathing. Because anyone can do that, right? Every, we're breathing. But life, and I love the way, the way Jesus says it, life and life in abundance. That means we can live, but we can live without abundance. The word of God grants us keys. Isaiah 22, 22 speaks of the keys of David. The keys of David that open and closes doors. Entry. Everything's about entry, opening up. And so it's important, church, it is important that we really start taking heed to this word. I told the the last group that we're going to start, I'm going to start asking questions, randomly picking you. It's okay to be, listen, for the sake of learning, for the sake of knowing, I think it's important that we can, we we can actually take a moment of, I really don't know, but I'm still going to throw myself out there. That's what's going to be with these people out there. You know, evangelists got to deal with that on the reg. You have no idea if somebody's going to be receptive. You have no idea if they're going to say yes to you. But you still do it anyway. Theological emphasis. Genesis emphasizes the sovereignty of God. His role as the creator. So a sovereign God means that nothing happens by chance Everything's on 
purpose. Sovereignty means that I know even when they're going to come to worship me. God is sovereign. He, he controls all at will. He doesn't have to follow a script. Now, I know it's going to sound crazy. He doesn't have to follow a script, but he does have to follow his script. Did you catch that? That's why he can't lie. That's his script. That's why everything he says he's going to do, he does. That's his script. That's why he's just. His justice is part of the script. Who's with me so far? So that's the reason why anything that's been uneven, unfair, God has to make sure that that unfairness is dealt with. Someone treats you with contempt and it's out of order. You can rest assured that the judgment of God is watching over that. God is always balancing the scales. Remember that. God is always what? He's always balancing the scales. So when you, if someone treats you with contempt and you take action on it, that is your recompense. What's recompense? That's your reward. So don't look for anything else. Don't go getting on your knees and praying about the situation. If you, oh, this is so good. If you took action because of God's balance, the moment he did something to me and I took action and pushed him and did what I had to do, that's my courtroom moment. I cannot pray for more justice because I took justice in my own hands. Did we get that? The moment I take it upon myself to curse him out because of what he did, that cursing out that moment is the courtroom moment. You said, I am going to be judge and jury. And God says, you were going to get a reward for, with that. I was going to give you something else with that, but you, you did it on your own. You got your own form of recompense. The creator and the consequence of human sin and disobedience. This, it sets the stage for the need for redemption and the unfolding of God's plan through the people of Israel. Why do we need redemption? Because in order to know someone, you must know what they're here to do. In other words, you want to know God as redeemer, then you need to be redeemed. Want to know God as savior, then you need to be saved. Everything requires a display. You can't tell me you're a firefighter and you never, you never do what? You never fight fire. So there's a display of God's hand or his character or his person. Whenever he says, this is who I am, that means there has to be something in order for you to know that side of him to be able to say, I know he's a savior because he saved me. I know he's a deliverer because he delivered me. I know he's a rock because of the fact that I'm, I felt the foundation of being upon that rock. So everything requires 
a storyline to confirm. Sometimes we say we're going through something, but it's not because God wants you to feel the heat of it, but rather to get to know him. You'll get out of it real fast if you believe I am who I say I am. Matter of fact, that's my name. What's your name? I am. You are I am. Fill that up. Fill that with whatever you want. I am. And not only am, am I, I am. I am that I am. Because my last name is I am too. <laughs> I am that I am. Praise God. The Gospel of John, on the other hand, places a significant emphasis on the divinity of Jesus and his identity as the Son of God. I gave a brief, um, uh, I guess, what's, the, what's a good word I can use? Discourse. I gave a brief discourse on why Son of God, right, why is it important to understand God as the Son of God and God as God? God as the Creator. You know what our problem is, folks? This is our problem, that we think linearly. And we want to always relate things to how we think. In other words, I love the fact, and, and listen, uh, to the deacons, those questions, and even your son, what he threw out there, that's important. Never think that something you toss out is going to be foolish. We need it. So when you talk about, when you talked about this, we're going to get back into that again. Or when you talk about the brothers or the grandsons, right? Why do we think that way? Why? Because it's earthly. It is what we're related to. We, he must be grandpa. Because grandpa has children who have children. You know, one of the mistakes that one, one person did one time, they, so they had a child, and they, they, they called me their spiritual father, right? And then they told their child, that's your spiritual grandfather. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not their spiritual grandfather. But, but if you're my spiritual father then you must be their spiritual grandfather because I'm their parent. I said, are you pastoring a church? A spiritual father is different from an earthly father. I am not, I repeat, I am not the one who's going to go shopping with you. I ain't your daddy. All right? My job is what I'm doing right now. Feeding you spiritually. I'm not your heavenly father either. So stop, don't, don't look at me to give you no anything supernatural. Uh -uh. I'll pray with you. We'll come in agreement because I'm in need of a savior just like you. But it's important that we know that separation. The truth is, as a spiritual father, it is vital that we understand my role. That way you are not in, there's not a false expectation. I understand that I can fill in the role of, you know, a temporary role because maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your father or you didn't have a father. We can do something there, but definitely not me being your father. 
Does that make sense? I can help out in the process, but I am not that father. Because even when I had my spiritual father alive, he will never, he would have never taken the place of my earthly father. My mother told you, my, my relationship with my father was very tight. We were close. So, how is it that I would have somebody else take the place of? So, my job is not to take the place of anyone's father. Mm, I wish I'd have emphasized this more before. I wish I'd have taken a stance on that a long time ago, even more so. Because, see, people don't understand, so they understand linearly. So, he must be, yes, but son of God and God. God had to tell us he's his son for our sake. Let me say that again. God had to tell us that he's his own son for our sake. Because we would not understand the separation. He was in his throne, sovereign throne, and he was on earth at the same time. God, son of God. Holy Spirit, God, son of God. The problem here is that if we separate it, then we think, like, <laughs> it's the aha moments that make me laugh. People that say, look, aha. See, look, Jesus said he's the son of God. Say, so, yeah, no, that's not an aha moment. Jesus would always say he's the son of God for our sake. But don't get it twisted. At the very end of the whole chapter of John, we find out that he accepts the fact that he is Lord and God. He does not decline, Thomas. He says, my Lord and my God, you got it. You got that right. And that's not the only time he's actually did that. There were many other times where Jesus made it clear that he was God. All right, let's move on. Let's go to, I want to start off with Genesis chapter 6. These are the chapters we're going to be going into today, Genesis 6, John chapter 9, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, or 18, 18, thank you, 18, thank you, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. We have a dilemma, folks, and this dilemma has plagued the church. We are fearful of whatever the general populace says. So right now, the law of the land, because the highest court said so, or should I say a court, they're definitely not the highest court. The Supreme Court of the United States says it's okay for homosexuals to get married. The church sat back with popcorn and watched the whole thing unfold, and no one stood up. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How do we just sit back and watch the intellectual property of God be treated with such contempt? Where people, for lesser things, take it to court. For lesser things. And here we are, the church, the mighty church, Sunday church. Watching this whole thing unfold. Now, 
Why is this important? Because the plan of the enemy to sterilize humanity did not start now. It started thousands of years ago. So I'm going to read this so that way we can, we can start getting into the core of today's teaching. It says, then the people began to multiply on the earth. Who began to multiply? The people in the world began to multiply on the earth. And daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. The sons of God were given specific instructions. That's why they were called the sons of God. Their instructions were to stay with their companion for the rest of their lives. As a matter of fact, it was forever because Death had not entered in yet. Ooh. Uh, thanks to you, Lewis, we now are, now you, now you start to see the pattern. And I'm glad that we, we're throwing that in there. There was harmony in living forever because Adam had not yet sinned, so death had not entered the world yet. So population was taking place. People were being born, and you had all this multiplication going on, but there was no death. We know that because, listen carefully, we know that because the first death to take place on earth was who? Cain and Abel. Abel was the first to die by way of an object. Brother killed him. So we know that death had not been in the world yet. However, aging was starting to take place. Well, I mean, it took like 800 years to really age. Like, if think about it. If you think that right now being uh, 12, 13 years old is adolescent, I can imagine Noah, I'm, scratch that. I can imagine Adam looking at Mahalal, going, this whippersnapper. This young guy, while he was 500 years old. Why? Because they lived to be 900 and change. You, you were in your 90s and 900. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? If you look at even when Enoch was translated at 365 years, see, death was not a common thing. But when it started happening, it started happening back to back, even based on age. So Enoch did not see death. He was translated at 365 years, taken up. So he never saw what everybody else saw. Who's with me so far? When he, di when he dies, when everyone died, they died at a certain age. That's why even when I look at Lamech, Noah's father. Lamech, Noah's father, died at the age of 777. Now, you may say, well, what does that have to do with the price of milk? He's the only one. Yeah, 777 is the first thing that stands out. But he's the only one who died so young because everybody else died in their eight and nine hundreds. So he... At 777 years, he died young. 
Now, I attribute that because he was Lamech's father. How many people were allowed to be on that boat? Eight. You sure that's the answer? All right. Eight people were allowed to be on that boat. Was Lamech one of them? Lamech was his father. That's correct. He was not allowed in. I believe at 777 years, he expired because he, he wasn't allowed to be on that boat. It makes sense. He died younger. And the only one who was younger than him was Enoch. And Enoch's son lived to be the longest. Methuselah. That's why you always hear older than Methuselah. You know, because he lived to be the longest out of all of them. My point is, when death entered in, death was not immediate. Where now to live to be 80 years old is a whole lot of noise. Right? 90. My grandmother lived to be 101. That's a temperature. Isn't that like a fever? 101, that's a fever. All right. So we look at that and we say, look how God does everything, right? Step by step. Continuance was still there. What I want you to pay attention to is what I'm going to demonstrate right now. I want you to pay attention to what was the sterile, the sterility? What was that which was sterile? How did the enemy try to sterilize humanity? Let's keep reading. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. Because man, if you live into 900 years, that's a long time. For they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Why? Because everyone knew where Adam Lane was. Adam Lane, like if it was a street. Everyone knew where Adam lived. You know, let's go see great-grandfather. Great-great-grandfather. Great-great-great-grandfather. Because Adam lived 930 years. So he was a part of everyone. Listen to this. Adam was a part of everyone's life all the way to Enoch. When Enoch dies, I mean rather, when Adam dies, Enoch is born. Y'all not catching the pattern yet, but you will. God always chooses one person to be a representative. And he passes the torch on purpose. Because from Adam to Enoch, from Enoch to Noah, Noah took on the mantle. And from Noah to Abraham. Let me repeat that again. From Adam to Enoch. From Enoch to Noah. From Noah to Abraham. That was the mantle being passed on one to the other. Now Noah, his name means rest. So of course, this is what was going to happen. He was going to bring rest to the world. The baptism of the earth was going to take place. Yes, the very baptism of that we know today, 
is something that gets related to the flooding of the earth. Now, why was this a problem? In those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. These giant beings, huge, that had some level of superpower, super strength, they lived on the earth. And whenever they had intercourse with the daughters of men, they would, they would, they would form these Nephilim. So the sons of God, which I'm going to try to explain this to the best of my ability again, and hopefully you guys get it. John chapter 3, during the description of the genealogy of Jesus, at the very end of John 3, it says, and Adam, anybody want to read it, read it for me? What does it say? Somebody said it. Adam, the son of God. Luke chapter 3. Adam, the son of God. So that means Adam was a son of God. Why was he a son of God? Why? He was created by God, so he never went through a woman's tunnel. He never went through the womb. He didn't have a womb experience. He was created with wisdom, knowledge of that age already. There was no having to go through a childhood, adolescence, none of that. It was, here you are. The apex of a man. So these are also created just like Adam. So as Adam is a son of God, so were the ones who were created in Genesis chapter 1, 26. It says, so God created them. Male and female, he created them. So male and female were created by God. Stop me if, if, you don't, if you're not catching it. Male and female were created by God, and then they had children. But at that time, sin had not entered the earth yet. So everyone was doing what they were supposed to do, procreate. And the partner they had, they had for what? For life. This was your partner for life. Keep procreating. Now, what does that form down here? How, are these, how do you view these individuals that were born of them? What are they called? Sons and daughters of man. Very good. Because they went through the process of going through a pregnancy. So they, had, they, gave, they were given birth to. Now, when sin entered in, remember, what did Lamech do? Remember Lamech, uh, uh, the son of Enoch? What did he have? Anybody remember? What did he introduce? I gave this last week. What were the four things introduced by, by the offspring of Cain? Four things introduced. Sex, money, music, and war. Sex, money, music, and war. I proved it in the word. What did Lamech introduce? The first one. With what? No, no, with what? Polygamy. So, so watch this. This is after the fall now. 
So we find that after the fall, this is going to be a common thing. So what are this guy, what do these guys who live, live for a long time, what are they going to do now? They're going to look at, and I, you can't call them nieces and nephews. You can't because there's no relationship between these guys. They're, it's not like they are, this is a father and a mother was here and, and they're all children that are related. They're not brother and sisters. Can we, can we get that? Can, can everybody understand that? So they're not related, but they were assigned to just remain with that person. And then the male, the sons of God, let's read it. Let's go back. Oh, no, that's it. That's it right there. That's it right there. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with the women of men, right? They gave birth to children who became the heroes, the Nephilim, and famous warriors of ancient times. So now it makes sense, all of the Greek mythology, the Hercules, and all these different beings that we see in all types of, not just Greek mythology, but also Egyptian mythology, which are, which are Romans as well, because Romans and Egyptians are very similar. All of it makes sense. Because these creatures really lived. They were Nephilim. Now the problem with a Nephilim is simply this. We talked about combining and or, or what, was, what uh, was mentioned earlier about hybrid. Deacon, Deacon Wilder mentioned the term hybrid. A hybrid is that which is brought together but they're not of the same kind. So what happens? A horse and a donkey form a what, guys? And that mule cannot procreate because it's not part of the original plan of God. Everything that's part of the original plan of God will always have the ingredient to continue without his supervision. Let me say that again. I don't want you to think supervision based on moral, moral character. I'm talking about allowing those things to continue. God created humanity. Humanity already had the ingredients to continue on. Walks away, it's still happening. But when it comes to altering the master plan of God, when it's not God's plan, it will turn into nothing. It will disappear because anything that's finite is not from God. Let me repeat that again. The infinite nature of God is found in his architecture. The infinite nature of God is found in his ingenuity. You cannot be infinite or you cannot receive something from God if it cannot continue. On its own. Trees are infinite knowledge of God. That's why you have harvest time, seeds come down, and there's continuance. Even if you chop the trees down, trees will come back because they have an infinite ingredient in it. Amen? So what happens here? This Nephilim project is not just a project of back then. 
We have an issue, folks. The Nephilim project is still going on today. It's not in the same manner, but it's still to bring about sterile or sterility. It's still to bring about a stoppage to the flow. It's still to stop the continuance. Who's with me so far? When we understand that continuance is the storyline, then of course, what is it that the devil's trying to sell humanity right now? That it's okay to find your identity in being a male if you're a female or being a female if you're a male. And the church is staying quiet. The church doesn't say a thing. As a matter of fact, there are churches right now that are really so pro not speaking that, that they will literally shut you down if you even try to talk about it. How did we get here? How do we get to a place where now the narrative has changed and we have to now agree with the world instead of the world agreeing with us? So let's take a look. Let's go, let's go now. Let's go down to um, uh, 1 Peter. And I want to show you something. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 1 Peter 3.18. Everybody's clear on this? If you're not, it's okay. I don't mind repeating it again. All right. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think you caught something. This is going to be interesting. I need you to know that when Jesus went to the place of the dead, he didn't go in flesh. He went in spirit. But then what does that tell you about your spirit? Or your soul. What does that mean when the invisible part of you, what about the invisible part of you? It does not die. It continues on. There is a part of you that right now is paying attention to me that's not the flesh. There's a part of you right now that loves this stuff. You know why? Because your spirit already knows the answer. And you're going, oh my goodness, this is good stuff. Because you already know. Because your spirit is already there. Now watch this. When he dies, he does a combination of things. His glorified body remains on earth. His spirit goes down. And his soul goes up. How is he seated at the right hand of the Father at the same time he's walking with the, the two guys uh, to, to, uh, in, in, in mouse? How is he still even still walking with Mary Magdalene, talking to her, or even still with his other ten 
disciples. While still working in his spirit, because it says there, so he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Go to the one before that. Go to the one we're going to read this right. Look what it says. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. By the way, bringing you safely home means that you've been there before. Bringing you safely home means that home was a place you were in before. Is everybody getting this? So we came from home, and he's bringing us safely home again. Well, look what it says. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the what? He was raised to life in the spirit. He was raised to life in flesh as well. He was also raised to life in his soul. So he was raised to life in his triune self. But he was able to split himself and do different jobs at the same time. Seated at the right hand of the Father, dealing with hell and death, because, you know, death, you remember when I preached this one, death was confused. Jesus popped in there like any other dead person, showed himself up. They couldn't neglect him. They couldn't deny him. He's dead, surely dead, really dead. Gets to the other side and goes, psych, I got you. Because that was the only way he was going to be allowed to enter to the place of the dead. He had to be dead to save the dead. He had to be human to save humans. He had to be God to bring peace to God. Let me say that again. He had to be dead to save the dead. He had to be human to save, the hum- save humanity. And he had to be God to bring peace to heaven. Because there was no peace in heaven. Ooh, what are you saying? Don't, don't pick up no rocks yet. Chill, hold up. There wasn't peace in heaven. You know why? Because justice had to be served. And humanity was about to be served justice. And as long as there was a pending case for humanity, there was no peace in heaven. You get that? A pending case means that we got to come to a point where we got to go to court. And there was no settlement yet. Jesus didn't die yet. So meanwhile, Jesus did not die There was a court session that needed to take place, and until that took place, there was no peace in heaven because God did not want to take out his humanity. What is the dilemma of God? God had a dilemma, yeah. I have to serve justice to humans. They have sinned against me, and they must now pay the price. They must go through the very thing. They must go through the issue. If they don't go through the problem, the process, then it's not fulfilled. There is no justice. So he himself, 
God himself, as Jesus, said, I'm going to endure what humanity is supposed to endure forever. Let's have the court, ooh, praise God. Let's have the court case at that particular time. Let's have it at that moment in time. So at 3 p.m. on that Friday, almost 2,000 years ago, that was the court date. When I had to go to prison, they set a time. I remember it. They said, you have to be there at 2 p.m. May 7th, 2007. It was a letter. Nice letter. It was one of those letters you could look at and go, you know what? Maybe I can skip this. This is only a letter. Oh, they were ready for me. You know, you look at it like, okay, this is just a letter. But I had to show up on May 7th, 2007 at 2 p.m. And I had to be there. Why? Because it was a set time. Now, if you pay attention to Jesus on the cross, you'll see that he's trying to accelerate things to make sure that everything is complete. Because he knew it was a courtroom moment. Boom, on the cross. He said, all right, here we go. I got to go through each one of those areas. But, uh, I'm thirsty. Uh, he's going through all of this stuff to finally seal it because the one thing that was missing, according to Leviticus chapter 16, was the fact that he had to have a hyssop branch. A little sidebar for this, for this group. Let's go to Luke 16. I mean, um, Leviticus 16. little sidebar. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Let's go to 14. 14 is more clear. Leviticus 14. All right, here we go. Verse 48. Leviticus 14, verse 48. Remember, the court case is is. Heaven versus the contaminated houses. You're going to love this. This, this, this. You're going to love this if you really pay attention. When I got my case, it was the United States versus Israel Pena. The United States of America versus Israel Pena. What? I'm like, the United States of America. That's what it said. This is the United States of America versus Israel Pena. So right now we see that there's a versus here. Because in Leviticus, we find out real fast what's required in order for the contaminated houses to be clean. Let's go there. 
But if the priest returns for his inspection and finds that the mildew has not reappeared in the house after the fresh plastering, he will pronounce it clean because the mildew is clearly gone. To pure, everybody say, to purify the house. Say it with, mm, to purify the house. Watch this. To purify the house, the priest must take two birds, a stick of cedar, and some scarlet yarn, and the hyssop branch. Let's repeat that. In order to purify the house, everybody say, I'm the house. In order to purify the house, the priest, which is who? Who's the priest? Jesus. Must take two birds, a stick of cedar, a scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. So on the cross, there was a need for this. Let's go further. It says here, he will slaughter one of the birds over a clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the cedar stick, the hyssop branch, the scarlet yarn, and the live bird. So there's two birds. One dies and one lives. And the live bird and dip into the blood of the slaughtered bird and into the fresh water because you need blood. Then he will sprinkle the house seven times. When the priest has purified the house in exactly this way, how many words are there at the cross, Mile? How many words? Every year, what do they do? How many? It's seven words, right? Seven times, seven words. Watch this. On the cross, Jesus had a cedar wood. That's the cross. He had a scarlet yarn. That was what they rolled dice for. Remember his cloth? He, it was red. It was scarlet. The Romans rolled dice for it. There's more. There's more. He had two birds. One lived and one died. The two guys on the cross. Okay, okay, we're getting there. Two guys on the cross. And after he had all of that, it was almost complete. But he realized there was one thing missing. He had to say at the very end what? I'm thirsty. Why? Because that was the hyssop branch. And then he said, it is finished. Because it was a courtroom date. It was the moment. And he died at exactly 3 p.m. All of the court, what do you call those court evidence? What is it called? Uh, no, no, no. The court evidence, the, the, the actual items that they have in the exhibits. That's the word. All of the exhibits were present. In the courtroom. Exhibit A, cedarwood. Exhibit B, scarlet yarn. Exhibit C, the two birds. Exhibit D, the hyssop branch. If Jesus did not fulfill that from Leviticus, 
it would have been all in vain. If he would have missed one of those, it would not have been fulfilled. Who's hearing what I'm saying? It was all a courtroom case. And Jesus had to make sure. And you know one of the things that Jesus did that really blew my mind? He said, he said, Father, because he already knew the judgment moment was coming. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let me give you a clause or let me give you an addendum. Let me just let you know there's a reason why you got to wait before you pass judgment right now. For Jesus to tell his father, forgive them, is because the father was going to do what? He was poised to wipe everyone out. And Jesus had to say, whoa, 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 wait, 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 we're almost there. Trial is almost over. I'm going to take on the full blow. Let me take on what they're supposed to take on forever. Let me take on right now. And you know what we're supposed to take on forever? What would have been the case? What was Jesus afraid of the most? Say it loud. Separation. Between who? Between him and the Father. You know who was going to be separated? Us and the Father. He knew that we wouldn't be able to handle that. We would just disappear. We'll just. (laughs) Why? Because our survival is based on God's thought of us. If God doesn't think of us anymore, we don't exist. And what that courtroom session was going to do, it was going to wipe out all the memories of us. He was about to just say, this is it. Judgment has been passed. He gave precursors to that. What do you think the flood was? The flood was a warning of that moment coming. Let me give you guys an opportunity again. Start all over. Start start fresh. Eight of you. I'll keep eight of you alive. And in the midst of all that, even right after the flood, this story here is one that I hold on to because I, it helps you to understand the power of honor. Honor is not just knowing the truth. Honor is knowing how to deal with the truth. Noah was very happy. Genesis chapter 9. He was content in knowing that he, him and his family survived the flood. Man, me and my family, everybody's, you know how many people were banging on that door? To know that God favored you over all, you know how many Nephilim tried to open that thing up? That's why the word says, God sealed the door. I always thought about that. Why did God, we're humans, why did God have to seal it? Just close it. No, because the Nephilim existed. The Nephilim was strong. So he needed to make sure that he sealed that door. So that they don't come in. You know what it is to survive that? You didn't, after that, you decide to build your vineyard, put together a vineyard, and wow, and then get drunk 
Because see, what happened to Noah is that Noah got drunk off his own vineyard. And in his drunkenness, one of his sons, the youngest by the name of Ham, decided to expose him and told his brothers, yo, you know what I saw dad doing? Yeah, you couldn't believe this. Your homeboy's over there dancing. He's dancing, doing craziness. You see, in your stupor state, not stupid state, stupor, you don't know what's going on around you to an extent. You can't really stop yourself, but you kind of know that you're being insulted. And somehow Ham made it clear to his father Noah, I look at you with contempt. You are less than right now. Shem and Japhet, the two other brothers, instead of doing what Ham did, they didn't even want to look at their father in that condition. They literally said, let's walk in backwards. We don't want an image of our father like that. Let's cover him. I say this to tell you, if you truly honor those around you, if you really honor them, regardless of their flaws, because we're all flawed, you don't go and try to find a way to insult them and make it worse. Cover. Some of us don't understand the importance of that. So we don't understand the area of honor. We want so bad for people to see how bad a person is. And we work so hard to make sure that, why? Because we want to justify our actions. So the only way to make sure that people don't, that they believe me and don't believe that person, I got to show the blemish of that person. And so the other two went backwards and they shielded their father's nakedness. I just felt compelled to share that. The next part I want to touch on, I'm looking at the time. I know we don't have much time, but I want to touch on now. Let's go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. I wanted to put this all together to show that the baptism, the baptism that we know as today baptizing was part of what the earth did. The earth was being baptized. Listen, when you get a flood of that magnitude where every mountain is covered, Man, I didn't get into the dinosaurs today either. That'll be next week. Every mountain is covered. It lets you know that there must have been an event, it must have been an event where God wanted to play, press the, the switch. What's it, what's it called? The reset. Reset. Because you got it wrong. But in that reset, he had to eliminate a lot of his creation. Yeah, I believe there were dinosaurs. I do. I, be I believe dinosaurs existed. I believe that that's why you needed Nephilim back then, because Nephilim could tussle with, with a dinosaur. They could deal with him. How about this one? How about if I show you in the word that there were dinosaurs? Next week. Next week. I'll show, you, I'll show you the dinosaurs next week. The truth is that the dinosaurs were necessary to populate the earth. You need that much transportation of land 
They didn't have cranes back then, but they had stomachs, large stomachs. You had the transportation of seeds and all over the place by way of what? Poop. Poop. Fertilizer. That's what was necessary. And along with that, you need what? You need a garbage sanitation company. Tyrannosaurus rex and all the species like that. You need carnivores for herbivores. It's necessary. Herbivores eat the grass. Carnivores eat the ones who eat the grass. And it's a cycle. But they didn't fit in the, in the ark. The, the, that's why I love the fact that in, in, in Genesis, it literally gives all the dimensions of the ark. Like it was huge, but not big enough for dinosaurs. That's why when you see those, you see those, those pictures of dinosaurs like this, like they were trying to run and they, they got stopped. You know what I'm talking about? They're like up against the, they're like this, complete. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Stop looking at me like that. They, they look like this. They're like, they're like this against the wall. You know why? Because whatever happened, happened fast. Because had they died based on just natural death, their bones would have been displaced. Because even insects would have moved it. No, seriously. There's no way that they would have been moved, not moved. It's something that happened instantly, at a moment. And they got pushed in the mud, and they stayed like that. In some cases, they found food inside the stomachs. The, the mammoths, the woolly mammoths, they didn't make it on the ark. They didn't get the they didn't RSVP. I can imagine how many animals did not RSVP. You can't make it. Oh, the funny thing is, you remember I shared with you guys? I, I think this is so awesome. The calling of each animal, they were called at a separate time. Yeah, I think that's spectacular. The cheetah and the tortoise, tortoise, they were called at different moments, or were they? I think so. I think the tortoise got their invitation way before the cheetah. The tortoise already started walking there a couple of years before the cheetah. <laughs> they got there at the same time, right? But, you know, tag, this was a long walk. Because God's timing is timing based on you. Some of us get it now, some of us get it later. Some of us get it at our deathbed. Lord, some of us get it now. Oh, God's timing is what? Each person. He will look at you and see if you're a tortoise. Or he'll look at you and see if you're a cheetah. Because some people, it takes longer for them. I.E. my dad. My dad, my physical father. Who did not come to the Lord until the very, very, very end. 
and gets the same privileges as the one who came in at 5 o'clock in the morning. Y'all didn't get that. Well, the one that, was, that worshiped all year, many years, praising God, 50 years, doing that, you know, doing that dance, 50 years, and here comes the, the one at the last hour. And all he said was, please remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Messed up his whole life, you know. He was a good man. He was a good man. But he, he, he had his issues. But at the end, my, my mom's a witness. We were, we were there. We thank God for that too. Because at the end, he made a conscious decision and received the Lord as his Savior. He was the tortoise. So he got into Noah's Ark on time. His time on time. Now, I'm not saying go looking to be a tortoise. You know, you might miss the boat altogether. So I'm not telling anybody that's a scapegoat. You want to make sure you seek him while you can, while you have life in you. Because if you wait to that last moment, you're boom. And then you hear God's hand just seal it. It's a problem. All right. John 6. No, John 9. John 9. John chapter 9 speaks of a story where, again, this area of God's sovereignty, God utilizing water uh, is in there, and God used saying clearly that a problem was intended to be a problem for his glory. Your issue was God's glory. So right now, the pain I'm feeling right now is for God's glory. Yeah, some of y'all don't know. The pain I'm feeling right now is for God's glory. And I got I to gotta have a smile on my face. Because it hurts. But it's for his glory. Because if I get to speak about it, you get to hear it, and he gets glorified. And you get to realize that a little bit of pain, you know, some of us don't move when it rains. Like one, one, <laughs> watch, watch this, watch this, watch this. Honey, ready to go to church? Yeah. One drop. Oh, it's raining. Oh, well. That one drop, and yet something that I believe to demonstrate to God, let God know, listen, Lord, come rain or shine, I will be there. To be convinced this morning, when I was still feeling the pain this morning, to tell the Lord, yes, I'm going to be there. To have my wife pray for me in the room, telling me, sweetheart, if you want, I can help you out. I can do, I can take this. I got this. I could have told her, you know what, that's a great idea. Because it was, by the way, it was a great idea. <laughs> Spectacular idea. But 
I was committed to the moment. And yeah, there'll be other times where I got to tell her, yes, yeah, you got this. And we'll do the tag team. And she'll be like, all right, here we go. You go. Because we've done that before. And it's been effective. But I knew that that moment I had to prove a point regarding God in my life. I stood over there listening to my daughter sing. I'm standing there and I'm going, hmm. And every, you know, I'm like, go ahead, keep going. What's the song? What's the song? Rain was coming, wind was blowing. So the song was exactly what I was dealing with. And I'm like, Lord, you are funny. You would, I didn't talk to her about the song. I don't, I don't know about what songs they're going to sing. But it was perfect. My, my life, everything was built on you. Amen. All that from that one thing. All right. Jesus was along, walking along. He saw a man who had been blind from birth. Everybody knows he's been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins for his, or for his parents' sins? In other words, what judgment is appropriate to place on this transactional life, this life that this person's living. What can we say is the reason why? Because that's how we do, humans. Oh, like, <laughs> he's going through shingles right now? Yeah, what's going on? What you doing? What you doing? What you doing, apostle, pastor, dad? For his glory. Because I had to ask, Lord, what's up? Throw a brother a bone. And he does. He changes where it hurts. <laughs> Laugh it up. It goes from external pain to now internal pain. Now my vital organs hurt. Can you go, Dito? You're officially Puerto Rican. Listen, the pain shifted. God is still doing what he's doing. He's using it for this particular moment. He's giving you an understanding that even through pain, we can still make it happen. We're learning the word of God. So it wasn't his sin, wasn't his parents' sin. It's because God's about to show himself. So that's what Jesus says. It wasn't because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happens so the power of God could be seen in him. Next one, please. Okay. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. What did Jesus just say? I'm, look, we, we. First of all, he's talking plural. By the way, he had those hiccups all the time. He would call himself plural for whatever reason, right? This is one of those hiccups. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. Hmm. The night is coming and then no one can work. That's loaded, by the way. It's not nighttime. It is blind time. 
it is a moment where you will not be able to function on that level. Because at nighttime, what do you need? You need still some kind of light. But then no one can work. Look at that. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eye. On purpose, Jesus made a mess on his face. Wow. He said, I'm going to make a mess on your face. It's going to be my mess. I'm going to put mud in your eyes, and that's your answer. If somebody were to do that right now, how would you feel? Would you be grossed out? No, but you, no, I'm talking about somebody, somebody who just came out of nowhere. Because even with Jesus, even if you were there with Jesus, come on, let's be, guys, 1,000%, please. You, you there with Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth slash Christ. Right, you show up, there you go, you know, here you are. You, you understand what I'm saying? He takes mud. It's a good thing he was blind. Because if he wasn't blind, he'd be like, doing? But he went and they put mud. That's spit and mud. Yuck. But it's those yuck moments that God will use to show his glory. It's those moments where you think that's messed up. It's not messed up. Let God do what he has to do. Stop concerning yourself with how you're going to look and feel. God's about to do something right now. Oh, wait, wait. wait I got to look good for this. That moment is a second taken away from God's glory. Because you're trying to take his glory. Or you're trying to be glorious yourself. You're missing out on an opportunity. So what I love about that story is that he did not tell him or tell one of his disciples to go take him over there. He didn't didn't say, okay, uh, John, Peter, James, Matthew, take him. No. He said, now go wash your face. Go wash your face. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. They, they, they speed it up a lot. There's a lot of stuff that happened in between there. I know the disciples were looking at this like, and this guy is walking to the pool. Mind you, can't see a thing, but he knew where to get his water. He understood his flood moment. I'm going to put it all together. The water, the scent, the Siloam moment was the flood moment to remove that which keeps you from seeing. What took place with humanity with the flood is what happened on a smaller scale right there. Yes, because the water is a representation of of the removal of those things. Or should I say like 1 Peter chapter 3, the water or the flood is like an example of the baptism. Let's go to 1 Peter 3 really fast, and we're going to close out with this. 1 Peter 3. 
verse 19. 1 Peter 3, 19. So he went and preached to the prison, to the spirits in prison. Those who disobeyed God long ago, right? When God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Here we go, confirmation. For anybody who thinks that anybody else survived, no one else survived. There were no other humans on the earth. It was just eight people. Now you're saying, well, then what about multiplication? Well, multiplication happened. Cousins had to be with cousins. We understand. The the sons of Shem, uh, the sons of Japhet, the sons of Ham, you know. But the one who was the seed was the male. So, how can I put it? The male son was the one who determined what tribe that person was going to be a part of. Did that make sense? So even though that was his cousin, if it was Shem and Japhet, if it was the male from Shem and the female from Japhet, it was still from Shem by way of the father. All right. Look what it says. And that water, verse 21, is a picture of baptism which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective. Now, this is the reason why it's effective, guys. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, it would not be effective. Who's getting what I'm saying? No resurrection, no nothing. Even the courtroom would have been nullified. They would have to revisit it again. Let me say that again. Without the resurrection, they would have had to do a whole new trial. It would have been called a mistrial. So days later, Jesus resurrects from the dead, giving us now. You know what what the resurrection does for us, guys? It gives us a, a way to look at life. I get another opportunity. I get another chance. I died, and I get to live again. That's what the resurrection does. All right. If I were to ask you guys questions right now, I like that. I like that. That's that boldness. Bring it. And I ask you, when you ask, after you tell me, after you tell me, and then you've got to tell me about that person that I ask you about. How many people would be willing to do so? Show of hands. Who's willing? You can do it. Okay, you touch your nose. I don't know what that means. Uh, okay, we got two people bold enough. Anybody else? All right. Well, she answered fast. Amen. Who was Judah? Who was Judah? Anybody? All right. I'm going to pick then. I'm going to pick. Who was Judah? 
You had your hand up. No, 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 not back there. Yes, Mr. Chicago. No, 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 that's, that's cool. That's a good answer. Because I am going to do it next week. All right, all right. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Who's Nathaniel? Very good. What else is he? Say it loud. I mean, you had Bartholomew. That's how she said it. Bartholomew. Nathaniel is Bartholomew who was under the what? I need you guys to know this. Yes, so Nathaniel is one of the disciples of Jesus whose name is also Bartholomew. Bartholomew means son of Tholomew. So sometimes when they don't want to call your name, they'll actually say who you're the son of. For example, if I want to say Jorge, right, it would be Bar Jorge. Well, his name is Jorge too, so Jorge Bar Jorge. So they will call you Jorge Bar Jorge. Bar Jorge means son of Jorge. George, son of George. So you were called by your father. It is very powerful. That's why they always want to know who your, who, who your daddy. Anywhere you went, who your daddy? What kind of stock you come from? What's your stock? What's your daddy about? I want to know who your daddy is because your daddy is going to give me a description of who you are. Absolutely. It went from that because before last names was based on location you were in or a certain group that you were part of, there was a meaning to it. Later on, it just became anything. You know, but, but like, for example, Peña, the real name is De La Peña, people of the rock. I did a research on them. The people of the rock, De La Peña from Spain, were being persecuted by the, by the, uh, the Spanish um, Inquisition in the 1400s. And so they were, they were being persecuted because a lot of them were Jewish. So they went to the rocks and they hid themselves. So they became such and such of the rock, de la Peña, of the rock. Sierra, that means it was a location. Or if you were of the cross, those, of, those who actually changed their name, they, they became of the cross. They took de la Cruz because they were then converted. They were the ones who fell into the Inquisition and said, yeah, I'm going to take on the Catholic Church. De la Cruz. So that's where that comes from. And if you really want to get interesting, the, in the English language, there's the, the sons of. So you got Robertson. That was a son of Robert. Williamson, son of William. I don't know how Guillermo and William sound alike. They're two different. John's son, son of John. All right, so th that was at son of Ander. You know, that was the names. That's how they, they got the names. All right. So next week, we will be tossing it out. Maybe I'll give you one more, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Mm. Somebody tell me a little bit about, that's too easy. All right. Thomas, huh? 
he was a doubter. He did doubt. Why? What about Philip? So you're saying Thomas was not really a doubter. But tell me why. What was Thomas's, what was his plight? Say loud, loud, loud. That was louder? (laughs) He ended up understanding that. What was his plight though? Guys, I've been, I need you to grab this stuff. You're going to know the word. If I got to turn blue, listen, I'm going to make sure this church knows the word. That's critical thinking. I don't want, now mind you, the answers were right. Both of the answers were correct. I want it to be a thing where we're going into critical thinking. And we go to a place and we analyze, why did this dude, why did this dude not believe when the guys he was with for three and a half years, why would he doubt them that Jesus is alive? Wouldn't that be a question? Like, if I'm rolling with you, you rolling with me for all these years, and 10 of them, not just one, it wasn't two or three, all 10 of them say, yo, check this out. Jesus resurrected. We saw him. Why would you think that they're lying? That's critical thinking. And the more critical we think, the more we find out the answers. 